Welcome to I Communicate on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. To join the conversation, call 508-871-7000. Now, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, good afternoon. Welcome to iCommunicate. I'm Mark Altman, and uh, thrilled to have you here with us today on iCommunicate. And, you know, I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about on the show today, and uh, I was fortunate enough to just go on vacation with my girlfriend to uh, Charleston, South Carolina, a place I had never been before. And it was a really great week. Uh, We had good weather. It was relaxing. And uh, one of the things, one of the interesting conversations we had when we were in South Carolina is around the word passion. And one of the things I had said to her was that as I've gone through different uh, challenges and relationships in my life, it's become increasingly uh, clear to me that the person I'm with uh, really has to be passionate about what they do. It's actually somewhat of a deal breaker, believe it or not. And a lot of people say, well, why would you care so much about that? And the fact of the matter is, is uh, because I'm really passionate about what I do. And my work is such an enjoyable part of my life. I really love talking about it. I love supporting and helping people. And I want to be with someone that really takes that same level of pride and passion in what they do. And so that was an interesting uh, topic we spoke about on our trip. But what I also realized in being on that trip is that as we get into springtime and as we approach the end of April here, one of the things I'm I'm hearing from a lot of uh, friends, colleagues, customers, is that people are starting to do some self-reflection. You know, one of the uh, side effects of the pandemic is we're working so much from home. And, you know, you're staring at the same four walls, you're looking outside, you're seeing nice weather, and you're starting to think, geez, I wish I could be outside, and your mood and energy picks up with the weather uh, changes for the better. And so we start to reflect on what's good in our lives and what's not good in our lives. And what's really an interesting side effect of being at home so much more than we're used to for many of us is that we're actually seeing people much more than we normally would, and we're seeing other people much less than we normally would. And when you're seeing certain family members a lot more, that can often create conflict, that can often uh, create some angst and stress. And because of the repetitiveness and the redundancy of working from home, you start to miss the social interaction, you start to miss a stimulating environment, you start to miss going out to eat and socializing that way. And so again, it's it's a time of reflection. It's a time of what do we want in our personal lives, significant relationships, friends, and what do we want at our jobs? What truly makes us happy? And I have to tell you, it's a pretty difficult thing for so many people to be able to articulate and clarify what they're either missing in their lives or what they're not happy about. You would think it's so easy. Certain aspects of understanding what you're missing and aren't happy about are easy to identify, and some aren't. And so the show today is about finding your passion, finding your calling, understanding how you want to spend time with the rest of your life. And for me, 
when people ask me, why do you like you know, training and coaching and being a consultant so much, it's because I have the opportunity to touch people's lives. One of the things I was reflecting on my vacation about is virtually everything I've done uh, for the majority of my life has impacted in one way or the other having the opportunity to help shift someone's mindset or help build their confidence or help them develop skills they haven't had. I mean, I've been a youth sports coach for 20 years, coaching basketball and baseball. So I've worked with a lot of kids. Um, I've been working with companies doing the same thing. And there's something to it. You know, a lot of people have jobs where they'll say, I do this for a living because I like helping people. Firemen and policemen and teachers, you know, for some quick examples. But certainly people in my profession, coaches and trainers and things like that. But what I really like about helping people is I like watching people connect the dots. I like being a part of people kind of receive that clarity and recognize what they want to do and how they want to do it and what they need to do to be successful. And so the human interaction and the ability to support other people really is representative of my passion. Now, for those of you who could be anywhere from 18 years old to literally in your 60s, and you may not know your passion. I mean, one of the things I always joke about is when kids are in high school and they're getting into their junior and senior year in high school, everybody always says to them, what are you going to study in college? Such a chic question to ask upperclassmen. Like, what are you going to study in college? And, like, I feel like when you ask kids, like, I think most kids want to look at your adults and go, I have no freaking idea. You know, I'm, I'm 17, 18 years old. I don't know what I want to study. And for those of you who are that age and know what you want, that's fabulous. Kudos to you for having that recognition. But I will say that if you talk to most adults, they'll tell you what they thought they were going to be doing when they graduated high school and college is nothing like what they're doing right now. So even if you do have the clarity, you may not end up doing exactly what you think you're going to be doing. But the question is, how do you really understand what your passion is? If you were going to sit down right now and say, geez, what is my passion? What do I want to be doing for the rest of my life? I think it comes down to three things. And I have to tell you, I've told a few people this recently. I do some career coaching, and I've told a few people that, and this is the ultimate cross-section of understanding what your passion is. Here's what it is. Number one, what are you good at? Number two, what do you do that people would pay you for, right? And number three, what do you love to do? What gives you fuel and what gives you energy, right? And let's take a look at those individually. What are you good at? You know, when we talk about the cross-section of skills, all right, what are you good at? So a lot of kids will say, well, I'm good at video games. And parents will say, well, you're not going to make money off that. I mean, that's like the instinctive default reaction. You're not going to make money off that. But that's just not true. You could make money off that. 
we do a lot of dream, I call it, adults are really good at dream crushing, right? And so it's so funny. I was doing a a professional development for, for a middle school, a group of middle school teachers quite some time ago. And I was talking about how to encourage kids' thought process around their passion and around their dreams. And one of the teachers interrupts me and he says, Mark, listen, I got to tell you, we, we need to give these kids a dose of reality. Life's really tough. You know, we can't be telling them that they're going to be professional athletes and sports announcers and video game designers. I mean, the reality is there aren't a lot of jobs out there. And I said, you know what? Why do we need to crush those dreams? Why can't we let them find that out for themselves? Why do we want to take away from what people love to do? And I feel like there's a lot of time when we're telling people why things won't work as opposed to nurturing their skills and their talents and interest and finding a way to evolve it into what will work. So there's this game, right, called Minecraft. Okay, a lot of kids play it. It's kind of, I guess it's, I don't know, I guess it's an older game now. I guess it's kind of out of touch, but. It's actually made a resurgence. Has it? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, so that's interesting. So one of the things I, I, I did with my 14-year-old with Minecraft is I sat down with him one day and I said, I want you to think of some skills that you utilize in Minecraft that could serve you in your life in different jobs. We had a fabulous conversation about it. And a lot of it was around teamwork, you know, and how to work with other people and communicate effectively so every person's doing their job. But I just feel like when it comes to people's passion – we often squelch people's passion because the likelihood that they'll find a job or find um, a future potential in it is it, we we say is so unlikely, and so we're trying to protect people. We we think we're protecting people. We think we're trying to steer clear, but we're actually doing the opposite. Because then, when people get to a certain age, whether it be high school or college or graduate or whatever it is. Then they are resigned to the fact that, well, I guess I'm going to have to do this because I need to make a certain amount of money. So when we come back from our first break, we're going to talk about how to develop your passion, how to recognize your passion, no matter what age you are. So for I Communicate, I'm Mark Altman. We'll be back. Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, welcome back to I Communicate. And, um, you know, as much as I miss my buddy Ted, we, we have two awesome producers here now, uh, Jasmine and Jake. And I got to tell you, I was struggling to remember Jake's name, so I just asked him his name in between the break. And, you know, I'm always big on giving people mnemonics to remember their name. So when I teach networking, I remember I, I had a radio show in college, and I called myself Mark the Shark, and people would recognize that name. But Jake, can I say your name over the air? Is that cool? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So Jake's last name is Force. Like, it's not, not the greatest last name. So I'm like, Jake, I don't think I'm going to forget your name now. 
Yeah, I, it's like I always tell people, it's like you know, uh, like star. People are like forest. I'm like no force, like Star, star Wars, Wars. <laughs> like great. like Air Force. No, like it's actually for like so, the like the uh, drag racer. Yeah, exactly. I, exactly. I know <laughs> your Belinda, John Force, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah right? he, I mean, I'm not related to him. I don't think. No, but, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, so Jacob mentioned in the break. He was talking about the point I was making about video games, about under, talking to kids, um, understanding the video games they're playing. And there's a couple of things. Before I turn to Jake on this, there's a couple of things I want to mention to expand on this thought. First of all, one of the ways to, is a surefire way to disconnect from kids is to not take an interest in what they're doing. So if your kid's playing video games and you don't think you have an interest in that, and I got to be honest... I loved video games when I was a kid. I'm not super into them now, but I'm, I love Galaga and Miss Pac-Man. I'm on the old school stuff. But anyway, point being is that we talked about talking to your child, um, forming the connection to understand what their video game is, what are the skills that they have to use in that video game that could translate into either their passion or other things that they could possibly do in their life. And Jake had mentioned that uh, there's a lot more of a focus on critical thinking in video games. Jake, can you speak to that a bit? Well, I just like, you know, there's obviously still a game to a po- component to it. And you're still just like kind of sitting down in front of the TV and getting, you know, your screen time for the day. But, you know, I've heard Scott Zolak talk about playing Madden with his son. And he was an NFL quarterback. And it's like you, he was like, you sit down and you actually like, it's not like you can be an offensive coordinator for a football team, but like you start to get the concepts of like play schemes and routes and stuff like that. Like when, like when I'm watching the Patriots nowadays, when they show the bird's eye view because of Madden, I'm actually able to diagnose like, Oh, okay. So they were in cover three there. That wasn't cover two or like they, you know, they checked this or what, you know, that kind of stuff. It's like you, it does teach you about the game and the league. It's actually a fabulous example, Jake. And you know what? Uh, You probably know where I'm going to go next, but let's talk about fantasy leagues. I mean, you talk about why do why do so many people do fantasy leagues? There's a reason. They want to be a general manager. They want to know what that experience is like. They want to know how to trade. They want to know how to negotiate. I've talked about this on the show before, um, and this is really funny. I, I actually did a show on how fantasy leagues um, can teach effective negotiation, and when I sent it out, when I sent out the show to my email list on Constant Contact, it was my highest rated click and open rate I've ever received because everybody, so many people do fantasy league. So the point being is this is how this all ties together. If you're an adult and I'm going to give you a perfect example. And I know my buddy Jasmine is an aspiring entrepreneur. She already is an entrepreneur. So who am I kidding? But the point is how many people in their twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, and sixties Think about, geez, I wonder if I could be an entrepreneur. I wonder what it would be like to be an entrepreneur. And the next thing out of their mouth is, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't do that. Too old. Too old, don't have the right skills, don't Too have enough involved. money. What's that? Too much involved. Too much involved. Yet, yet, when you often hear people talk about entrepreneurship, the perception of entrepreneurs is they have it made in the shade. Right? Because, oh, you don't have to answer to anybody and you can make your own hours. And it's just wonderful. Yet, if you know any entrepreneurs, 
they'll tell you they work more hours than the typical working person because to make it on your own and be successful, it takes more time and more energy in so many cases. So the parallel I'm trying to draw here is if you are a person and you are trying to understand what your passion is, regardless of your age, and you're trying to diagnose or identify what your skills are, and you're saying, yeah, I couldn't do that. If that's your reaction, I couldn't do that, that's, that's too hasty, it's too knee-jerk, you would have to understand the full skill set of being an entrepreneur. You know, when I started my first business, I, I had virtually no money. Um, I didn't take a big loan from a bank. I didn't have all kinds of savings. I didn't have it, but I made it work, and I found a way. It's called bootstrapping. You know, there's, there's a way to be a successful entrepreneur, And so I mentioned in the first segment, you know, what are the three aspects of understanding your passion? So knowing what you love to do, we've been talking about what you're good at. Now let's talk about what you love to do. And I have to tell you, look around, look how many people in the world that you know seem miserable at their job. And I have to say that, um, I'm divorced twice, so needless to say, I'm not an expert on marriage by any stretch. Um, but I will say that I've, I've said this to myself over the last few years, and I've said it to my girlfriend. I say, I will not be one of those couples. If I'm with someone, you know, 20, 25 years, I'm in my mid-70s, I feel like every time I talk to someone who's been married or together 20 or 30 years, and I say, how did, you know, how did you do it? You know, that's quite an accomplishment. Their Their initial reaction is, well, it was really tough or, you know, it's like a negative reaction as far as the challenge that went with it. And I don't want to feel that way. You know, I want to feel like, you know, I'm not perfect. My partner's not going to be perfect. No jobs are perfect. No people are perfect. But I want to love what I do. And that doesn't mean, look, I'm going to be authentic about this. I do not get up every single day and love what I do. But I do generally love what I do. And... There's so much intrinsic value for me in what I do. And that's that's where it gets really interesting when it comes to love what you do. Because you can love what you do for the paycheck. You can love what you do because it allows you to take care of your family. There's a lot of things that you can love. But when you love it intrinsically, that's the passion. Right. That's where the passion comes from when you when you get intrinsic. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with the terms intrinsic and extrinsic motivation, uh, intrinsic is something you find internal satisfaction and extrinsic is a reward or um, an incentive or a benefit to doing something. So you work to get the paycheck. You don't work because you love it. That's the difference between an extrinsic and an intrinsic motivator. So when you're trying to identify, you know, what you love to do, if you love to pay bills or if you love finance, well, maybe you're not, you don't have the requisite education or experience to be a CFO, but maybe you become a bookkeeper. Maybe you become an accountant. Maybe you could take some skills. I mean, the amount of resources that are available right now um, at virtually no expense online and through e-learning, is, is, it's innumerable. There's so many resources. Now, 
let me give you some examples of some intrinsic motivators. Because when we talk about employee engagement in the workplace, why do people do what they do? And as I said at the top of the show, now because people are working at home so much and their environments have so drastically changed and the socialization has so drastically changed, they're looking around going, wait a minute, why am I doing this again? Why do I like to do what I like to do? And let me tell you some of the things that they're talking about. And this is one that I feel like goes under the radar a lot. And it's being challenged. People want to be challenged in the workplace. Not everybody, but a lot of people want to be challenged. Their job becomes redundant. It becomes repetitive. And the things that they're doing, they may have been passionate about once before, but have stopped feeling passionate about. So the question is, how can I be challenged? How can I feel like I'm learning more? How can I feel like I'm going to become more valuable for the company I'm working for? Or more valuable to another company for that matter. But am I advancing and developing my skills in the workplace? That's a huge piece. Another big piece is creative freedom. And I'm not talking necessarily about independence and autonomy versus micromanagement. I'm talking about the opportunity to impact change and influence processes and behaviors and people. For a lot of people, that's a big deal. They want the creative freedom. They want to feel like they're having a direct contribution and impact to the organization. And if you don't feel that, it doesn't automatically mean change jobs. That's not necessarily my point. It may mean it's time to be assertive and advocate and speak up for what you want and need. People want to feel valued. They want to feel like they have a contribution. They want to feel like they're developing new skills. The question is, do companies want people to speak up about this? And when we come back from our, for our next segment, we're going to talk about what do companies really want when it comes to advocating for your wants and needs? Do they truly want their employees to speak up? Is it going to create a headache? So for I Communicate, I'm Mark Altman. We'll be right back. Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, welcome back to iCommunicate. Glad to have you back for our third segment. And uh, we're talking about discovering and acting on your passion. And, um, you know, I said in the first few segments, too many professionals go through life doing what their parents or society dictates or told them to do instead of finding out for themselves. And what's interesting, if you think about it, when you're a kid, you are being reinforced certain qualities, characteristics, or skills you have. And so many people gravitate to a profession, a job, a calling of sorts, based on the feedback and reinforcement they've received. Now, think about something you might say to your son or daughter as a parent. You might say to your son or daughter, you're not really a great listener, right? You sure do forget a lot of stuff. You don't work hard enough, right? And by the way, 
they may not be a great listener or they may not be remembering things or working hard. It, it could be very true. But when those messages repeat over and over inside a child's mind, they start to fulfill that prophecy because they think that's what their capability level is. As opposed to, you're very responsible when it comes to your schoolwork and you have a great work ethic. One of my favorite aspects of emotional intelligence is, how do you motivate and influence people? Here I'm talking about kids, but in the workplace... A lot of times when we're giving people feedback and we're very critical or overly critical or we're not, even if we're not overly critical, we're not balancing that negative feedback with enough positive feedback, what tends to happen is they stop being engaged and they stop being passionate and they stop being motivated to do what we want them to do because we're reinforcing certain messages. So when it comes to identifying your passion and knowing what you're really good at and what skills and core competencies and whatever job you want matter, will you find a way to pursue it or will you find an excuse not to? And that answer directly impacts your personal and professional happiness. We've got a call on the show. Matt, welcome to the show. Good to have you. Mark, how are we today, sir? Phenomenal. How are you? Oh, I'm great. I'm loving the show today so far. I got a couple things, couple thoughts, real quick. Um, as we all know, I've known you a long time, and I got to say, it's beautiful. You're the only guy I know who would go up to his kid and incorporate a life lesson with a video game. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, your your son. <laughs> I know he loves you, but I know there's a deep. There was a deep, dark part in the back corner of his mind. It was like, "Come on, Dad, just leave me alone." Yeah, seriously, <laughs> I'm sure there was, man. That's a great <laughs> point. No question. Uh, and there's there's also there's also another lesson you you talked about with video games. As far as I know, you said teamwork and things like that. I used to incorporate a great lesson to some of my friends, the Westons. You knew the, knew them. Yes, uh, yes. With with humility through video games. Just their absolute absolute destruction, and to teach them humility. But on a serious note, uh, so I do have one thought. I do have a thought you were you were talking about as far as chasing dreams and things like that. Uh, do you know who Mike Rowe is? I do not. Okay, so he is. He's got a show on like Discovery or something like that. It's called D- Dirty Jobs Guy. Exactly. He used to be on I think CNN or something about twenty years ago, and he set up a. He set up a scholarship fund for people who, or um, you know, who don't want to go into certain things. You know, for people who want to be like plumbers, electricians, things like that. And he, you know, his big thing is you know, college isn't for everybody, sort of thing. And he he said something a long time ago that stuck with me um, that I think pertains to this. Um, it, it's a little bit of a contradiction to what you're saying, but I think it pertains really well. He always says, "Don't chase your dream; chase something you're good at." And I think, or do something you're good at. And I think there's room in the world for both. Uh, there's, there's room in the world to dream and to, you know, chase something that you love and really want to do. But there's also a place to do something you're good at. If you're good at mowing the lawn, be a landscaper or something like that. Or if you're really good at fixing things, you know, be a mechanic, not a poet. Sort of, you know, so I, I think there's a place in the world for both of those. 
Yeah, Matt, I think it's a great point. And, you know, when it comes to doing something you're good at, I think part of it is if you graduate high school and you don't go to college for whatever reason, there's this societal uh, assumption that because you don't have a college degree, you're not going to be able to get a good job or be able to make a lot of money. Now, that's starting to go away with my generation, though. Boy, Jake. I, boy, I don't know. I hope so. I hope I hope you're right because, you know, I think that's I think that's fool's gold college degree now. You know, it's or just the just the never-ending quest for it at all costs. Well, and I and I actually think that I'm not sure whether it's going away or not. What I do know that is when my son graduates high school, my youngest son graduates high school, what I'm most concerned about and this is I, I don't I don't know if I've said this on the air before, but the running joke in my household about the pandemic and how kids are falling behind is is my son asked me uh, last May or June when after the pandemic had affected the end of last school year, you know, do I think he's going to be hurt by the three months of, of lack of school? And I said, you mean, do I think you're going to be hurt because you don't know all the periodic table of elements or don't know latitude and longitude and things like that? No, I don't. Yeah. Uh, now... I do think kids are hurt when they're falling behind in reading and writing and critical thinking and skills like that. But at the end of the day, Matt, I think what it comes down to is you give me two kids. You give me a kid who has a college degree, okay? Um, And I'm not even saying – not to say an Ivy League, just an average college. You give me a kid who has a college degree and you give me a kid who has a willingness and hunger to learn – a passion Bingo. around a skill set, someone who wants to yep. develop habits and work ethic. Yep. I'll take I'll take kid B all day long. I will too. And it's funny in my industry is I'll take somebody without you know the other thing is you don't have to untrain bad habits. Take somebody who wants to learn, willing to learn, willing to you know willing to make mistakes and own up to them, and those sorts of things. That sort of passion. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah, and Matt, you know, it's funny. You talked about humility. One, one of the tricky things I'm finding the way we're, we're bringing kids through high school and college around humility, it's so tricky because, you know, kids are taught in high school to be uh, selfless, not to talk about themselves, no I in team. And, but then what I see happens, Matt, is when they get out into, the, into college or in the real world, they don't know how to talk about themselves. They don't know how to sell themselves with jobs because they protect ta- themselves as confidence. Right. Yeah. And so the challenge is we know humility is a critically important skill. So that period ended discussion. I just struggle with kids. I mean, I, I interview a lot of college graduates and I just shake my head. They they don't have they can't even conduct an interview and I'm like, How did you get a four year degree? You don't even sound like you're prepared for anything. I think, you know, I'll be honest with you. I think that's just piling on for the last, you know, maybe 10 years of the generation of where everybody's online and you don't have the coping skills that you, that say maybe Mark and I, uh, our generation grew up of, of where, you know, you settle things on the playground. Uh, you know, we would get into arguments every day um, and you figured out a, what you figured out con- uh, conflict resolution at a young age. Right. And it was a fantastic learning skill to have. Um, you know, you didn't have to, you know, you, there's a point you couldn't scream and threaten to kill somebody like you can on Facebook or, or Instagram without, 
you know, without paying a price for it. And, you know, I'm not advocating fighting, but, you know, you learned lessons on how to diffuse situations or, you know, do certain things like that. And before, actually, one thing before I forget very quickly, um, your producer, I can't remember his name, Jake. young name, young Miss Jake, oh. young Mr. Force. Yeah. So he, he needs to forget about John Force. He needs to get with Ashley Force, who is his daughter and worth about $500 million. Oh, wow. How about that? <laughs> Love that, Matt. Love that. Matt, you've got some very good ideas. Exactly. It's perfect. You guys are made for each other. Hey, Matt, thanks again for the call. We've got to head into break. Hey. And uh, as always, great to hear from you. If you want more information about Mindset Go, you can email at info at mindsetgo.com or certainly reach out 978-793-1159. So I promised earlier in the show I would talk about what, what do companies really want? You know, Do they want you to speak up and advocate for what you want and need? Uh, do they want you to recognize your passion and, and achieve clarity and gain clarity about if you are happy or unhappy at the job? And I think you'd get a mixed reaction. I don't think, depending on who you talk to, I mean, some companies like you just to tunnel forward and drill through and just come to work every day and do your job. And some people work for a living for that purpose as well. But I think most companies that really value employee engagement and employee satisfaction want you to advocate for what you need and want and be able to gain clarity on what's going to make you happy. There's a lot of companies who will set you up for success, even if they don't find that you're going to be happy with them, they will send you somewhere else. So I do think companies that really prioritize and value employee engagement and satisfaction do want that. Great show as always, Mark. Thanks, Take man. care, Take guys. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. For I Communicate, I'm Mark Altman. We'll be right back for our final segment. <laughs> 